Hi, welcome to Quid Pros Quo. I'm Zach. And I'm Rin. And today we are continuing with our world building series, starting a two-part episode on magic systems. In this first episode, we're going to break down a lot of the theory behind magic systems. And then in our next episode, we're going to talk about how to create a magic system for your world building. So, Rin, what do we need to know about the theory of magic systems? I think the first thing you have to know is the difference between hard magic systems and soft magic systems, where hard magic is defined by rules and feels more like technology, and soft magic is defined by a sense of wonder and mystery. Mm-hmm. Some examples for hard magic is like Alamancy and Mistborn or magic in the inheritance cycle. Um, most of Brandon Sanderson's magic systems are pretty hard. He does hard role building and hard magic. Yeah. Um, but soft magic is, like I said, divine by wonder and mystery, and it's like magic in Lord of the Rings or Spirited Away or Howl's Moving Castle. Like Ghibli is like the opposite of Brandon Sanderson, where it's all soft yeah. role building and magic. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of the, you know, like a lot of the things that we that we've talked about in writing, it seems like a binary, but it's really a spectrum. And, you know, your magic system can fall somewhere in between those two extremes. So I think of, you know, this isn't original thought. Commentators have pointed out that Harry Potter has some elements of the magic system which are, which are hard, and then there are some elements of the magic system which are really soft. So when you're talking about, like, casting spells, it's, it's a harder magic system, but once you get more into, like, the, oh, if you die for someone that you love, you can protect them or something it gets more it gets a little bit softer also i think that we can talk about advantages and disadvantages well maybe just advantages i don't know if there are disadvantages yeah yeah but like soft magic i like soft magic because like it gives you room to build out your world a little more that's why harry potter tends to be like softer in the first books and harder the more you go Mm -hmm, on mm mm-hmm so soft magic gives you a little bit more wiggle room. Mm-hmm. Uh, hard magic, though, is easier to solve problems with because people understand like mm-hmm. how it works, and we are about to get into that with Sanderson's Laws of Magic. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things to think about is that with um, hard magic, it's, because it's something that your readers can understand, it become, the use of hard magic inside of the story becomes more of a puzzle. Right, So it kind of has the same appeal as certain kinds of detective stories where the reader is following along with the detective and can put the clues together as the detective is putting things together and can guess at what, you know, at who the who the perpetrator is. So with hard magic, you can do that, whereas soft magic tends to shift the emphasis of the narrative onto something other than the magic. So um, Tim Hickson, one of the... Um, people that we referenced uh, uh, on the show before, also known as Hello Future Me, um, has talked about how soft magic really lends itself to exploring psychological conflicts or exploring the emotional impact of a story more so than hard magic. Um, we'll get into that a little bit further down below in more detail. Um but regardless of if you are talking about hard magic or soft magic, you one of the ways that you can think about constructing magic is through Sanderson's Laws of Magic. And there are three of them because we love the number three. We being collectively, not we. Humans. Yes. <laughs> Humans in general. We love it when things come in threes. Yep. That's why there's so many trilogies. Yep, yep. Um, so 
technically is it's up to four because of the zeroth law. Do you know the zeroth law? Oh, I'm sure I do, but for some okay, reason well, it's uh, kind of doing that like that. It's like do 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 dial up <laughs> sounds. Okay. There's something there, but I can't um, reach it. How about I read each law and then I'll go into them and I'll mention the zeroth law at yes. the end of the list. So the first law is an author's ability to solve problems with magic is proportional to how well readers understand the magic. And Zach talked about this a little bit already. Number two is limitations are more interesting than powers. And we'll get into that. And three is depth over breadth or add something new to what is already within your existing structure before adding a new structure. Mm -hmm. uh, and the zeroth law is rule of cool. Oh, if it's awesome, then use it. Yeah. And we do love like the rule his, of cool. His words, if it's awesome, then use it. <laughs> nice. I've read that essay like five times. <laughs> I know what he says. Okay. So the first law pertains to both hard and soft magic systems, while the second and third laws are more relevant to hard magic systems. So let's go into the first law. Zach, do you want to talk about this? Sure. So if readers can understand magic well, then you can use it to solve problems. Because if readers don't understand how magic works if the magic solves a problem it can come across as a deus ex machina now that's not categorically bad a lot of people dislike deus ex machina but there are instances where you where you should use that trope so like an example um lord of the rings is resolved through deus ex machina um it's not a classic deus ex machina because it's not some, you know, benevolent turn of events, but it is a, you know, a force outside of any of the main character's control ends up throwing the ring into Mount Doom because Frodo is unable to do it. Yeah. Um, and that's part of, that was part of what Tolkien was trying to explore and part of his vision for, for the series um, and you can use magic in the same way. You just have to be careful and purposeful about it. And the first law is something that reminds us how careful you need to be when you're trying to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. Uh, the second law, you break... Sanderson breaks up limitations into limitations, weaknesses, and costs. Where a limitation is something like you can only bend one element, like in Avatar... The Last Airbender, not the blue people one. <laughs> or you can't bring back the dead, and that's in a lot of things, but I think first of Aladdin, like Genie. Mm -hmm. Rule number three, I can't bring back the dead. It's not a pretty picture. Yep, yep. Um, a weakness is m more along the lines of, like, you have to be able to speak to use the magic, or, like, bending, you have to have, like, your hands free. Yep, yep. And then a cost is something like, the more magic you use, the quicker you age. And I, what is that from? You put this one in. I don't know if it is from anything. If it is, please let us know. I just came up with this when I was oh, writing this. It's definitely instantly, but I can't think of what it is. Oh, I'm it's sure my, it it's is. It's called the Gothel. Oh. But is doesn't it? she use magic to undo the aging? Maybe it's not about the Gothel. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the vibes. But maybe she... But she got old already. Yes, she was already old. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, we're not discussing Tangled on this show. <laughs> we can do a bonus episode for that. Um, and then uh, when you have limitations, weaknesses, and costs together, you create interesting conflict, and conflict is at the heart of any story. Yeah. Um, you don't have to have all three for every single, like, for every single aspect of your magic system. You can kind of mix and match. 
Um, but the important thing is, is that all of these limits create create conflict. And yeah. so it, it's interesting and it's fun. Absolutely. So with the third law, um, we summarized it as breadth over depth, depth over breadth the other way around. Um, or you want to explore a feature of the magic system that you've already established before adding something new to it. Um, the last airbender is a great example of this, right? The, the main bit of the last airbender is pretty well defined. You have different nations of people where there are some people who can bend one element and just one. But I mean, you have people who can bend just one element. You can play with, oh, well, you can have uh, the water tribe that is going to be, you know, creating structures out of ice. And we can play with blood bending and you can suck water out of trees and, you know, all of that fun stuff. And then you go over to um, earth bending and you can say, well, sand is, you know, sand is just really fine particulate matter. So, you know, you have sand benders and you can do metal bending. And so you're going further with the same reasoning rather than adding new stuff onto it. Mm -hmm. um, it's like using the four classical elements versus the periodic table of elements. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it wouldn't make much sense if you were like, I can bend <laughs> hydrogen. Well, good for you. <laughs> good for you, not very effective. <laughs> yeah. Pure hydrogen isn't around much on Earth, says the astronomer. Okay, um... <laughs> We've talked previously about using the Kowal world building technique, which is based off of an exercise from Mary Robinette Kowal, um, where you ask what follows from, from this statement, and then you repeat a couple of times. So if people can, you know, you know, oh, I have it right here. What follows from people being able to manipulate water? Well, they can turn water wheels. They can manipulate ice. Therefore, they can build things using magic. Um, if they can manipulate ice, then that probably means that they can manipulate steam, since that's just another phase of water. So they can sabotage engines. And, you know, we've already talked about the bloodbending, right? Um, that was one of my favorite episodes of The Last Year of Bender really? was the bloodbending episode. I was episode. scared of that one as a kid. I think it appealed to me because it was spooky. I don't like spooky things, mm. but good for you. More power <laughs> to you. I can never watch any horror movie. Anything to do with blood, I'm just like, I'm, I can't do it. I'm outie. Yeah. Um, so Zach talked a little bit earlier, and we said we were going to it deeper later in the episode. This is later in the episode, so we're going to get into it deeper. But Hello Future Me, Tim Hickson, talked about how hard magic is, like, it lends itself towards tension that revolves around the readers learning how the magic works and figuring out how they can use it to solve problems, whereas soft magic is better than the psychological and emotional tension. Yeah, so... Um, the example that Hickson uses inside of his video about soft magic systems is talking about how the ring is a way that Tolkien can explore themes about grief and about post-traumatic stress disorder in the context of his fantasy world. Um, when you have that soft magic system, you're less likely to chase the bunny, right? Of mm -hmm. like, oh, well, how can I put this together? It's the... It's the wizard impulse, right? When you play a wizard in D&D, &D, you have that part of the of the player's book open so that you can be looking through at all the different spells and saying, like, oh, how can I, like, chain these together in order to do something cool? Because it, you're just left with the effects of the magic. And in the case of... Um, in the case of Lord of the Rings, it's a negative magic. But it could also be a positive magic. Um, in my short story, uh, The Paper Cranes of Miss Gonzalez's First Grade Class... 
the tension isn't around magic. It's around a child learning to hope when everything seems hopeless. So once the tension is resolved and magic arrives in the story, it appears that the magic is a kind of deus ex machina, but it doesn't rob the story of its emotional impact because it's not about the magic. Yes, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so again, that touches back to my favorite thing about soft magic systems, about it just being like, it's easy to build on a theme and go with a vibe more mm-hmm. so than it is in like hard magic systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I've got. You got anything else? Well, we have uh, delineated some of the differences between hard magic and soft magic. We've talked about their uses, some of the things to be aware of. Um, so in the next episode, we're going to talk about how to create a magic system. So stay tuned for that. It'll be coming out real soon. This has been Quid Pros Quo. Thank you so much for joining us. Quid Pros Quo is hosted by DC Winters and CK Jensen. If you like this episode, be sure to leave us a rating. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at quidprosquo at gmail.com. For more episodes, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts.